the problem of unanswered prayer. Most of us have experienced that, probably all of us at some time or another. We prayed and prayed urgently and fervently, and it's like talking to a wall. Nothing happens. I've been praying for my husband to stop drinking. He came home drunk again last night. I prayed for my wife's depression, and now she's threatening suicide. I've been praying for a job, and there's none to be found. It's like talking to a wall. And what makes it worse is all the promises in the Bible that seem to guarantee a positive promise, like Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. That looks like an absolute promise, ask and you'll get it. How else do you interpret that? Mark 11, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Or Matthew 18, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything and ask for it, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Or John 14, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And those scriptures all seem to be saying, God will say yes to whatever you pray for, but that's not been my experience. In fact, we have numerous examples in the Bible of unanswered prayer by godly man. Moses pled with God to allow him to cross over into the Jordan River before he died. I mean, what would that hurt? God said no. David prayed for his dying child to live, but the child died anyway. Why does any child have to die? Do you think police officers' wives pray for their husband? Dallas? How'd that work? Somehow we have got to figure out the promise of these positive answers which contradict our experiences. One solution uh, is that many and most of these promises actually have some fine print that modify the promise. Um, Many of these promises contain a qualifier, uh, some conditions. Whatever you ask in my name, well, not everything is asked in his name. Or if you remain in me, my words will remain in you. Well, that's not true of everyone. Not everyone's remaining in Christ. Or pray believing you've received it. In other words, pray in faith. Well, we don't always pray in faith. Or James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, not everyone's righteous. So there are some conditions in many of these promises. I got a little echo up here, uh, Ethan, if you can deal with that anyway. Uh, Jesus' own request to be spared from the cross had a modifier. He said, not my will, but yours be done. So even Jesus knew that his request may not be given. So let's go back to Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks the door will be open. Okay. Then he says, Which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? You wouldn't do that. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, we dealt with this a little bit from Luke a couple weeks ago, and today I want to look at Matthew's account and delve a little bit deeper in this. And the first thing we should notice, Jesus' words about the Father giving us good gifts implies that God will not give us everything we ask for. No good father gives his child everything he wants because kids don't always ask for the right things or the good things. And if a dad says yes to every request, we would say that's a bad dad. Now, those of you who are old enough to have grandkids and have them, when they are little, I still remember when our first was born, I mean, it was, she was the cutest being in the universe. 
And uh, I remember as she got old enough, she started to know who Grandpa was, and I would walk in the door. I mean, she would come running with those arms up and uh, to pick her up, and you want to talk about a rush. There's nothing like it. And I remember there were even a couple times when my granddaughter rejected her parents for me. That was really cool. <laughs> in fact, she pushed them away in favor of Grandpa. And I was kind of gloating to my daughter about this, and she rolled her eyes and said, Well, Dad, that's because she can get whatever she wants from you. I said, so what's wrong with that? I mean, that's my job. And sometimes I think we pray to God not as a father, but as a grandfather. He's going to be like every grandpa, give you everything you want, just come and ask. But God is not a grandpa. He's a father, and fathers say no. And fathers discipline their children. I am glad God has not granted all my requests. In fact, if I knew He would give me everything I pray for, I'm not sure I'd pray again. Because I don't trust myself. I don't have the wisdom to know what's good or bad. I don't trust my finite knowledge. See, so here's a prayer that we all should pray, and we probably haven't prayed it much, if at all. We should pray this. Please, God, do not give me everything I ask for, because you know what's best. Thank goodness God answers according to His wisdom and His goodness and not our whims or desires. So let me give you some of the ways God answers prayer. Technically, I, I believe there are no unanswered prayers. He just answers them in different ways. The 513 service this afternoon, God will hear those prayers and He will respond. But here's some ways that He does answer prayer. Number one, first of all, yes, I thought you'd never ask. Some prayers are absolute and unconditional and He will say yes. If you ask for forgiveness, of course I'll forgive you. It's about time you asked. Ask for help to get through trial? Absolutely. There are some prayers that will absolutely be answered yes. God will give you the important eternal things you need if you really want them. Now, you have to really want them, not just a fire escape from hell. You have to really want life with God eternally. And you will receive it, absolutely. Another way God answers, yes, but not yet. Wait. We do this with our kids. Your young girl says, well, all the other kids are wearing makeup. Why can't I? And you say, well, you're going to wait until you're older, like 21. <laughs> and kids hate those kind of answers, but it teaches patience. One mark of maturity is delayed gratification. God would rather have you be mature than to give you everything immediately. So a lot of times you're going to get just a wait answer. Just wait. Another one is, no, I love you too much. He's not going to give everything we ask because we don't know, we don't always ask for the right thing. The loving thing would be to deny the request. Another one is, yes, but different from what you're thinking. The answer seems like a no, but really it's a disguised yes. Let me give you an example. St. Augustine's mother prayed that God would not allow her son to sail off to Italy. This was before Augustine became a Christian. She wanted him to become a Christian, and she would lose influence over him if he went off to Italy, and Italy was a place of licentiousness and temptation. But even while she prayed for her son to stay home, he was getting on a boat to sail off to Italy. And it looked like God said no to her prayer. But it was in Italy where Augustine met Ambrose, a Christian, and Augustine became a Christian in Italy, in the very place his mother's prayers would have kept him from going. So God actually said, yes, your son will become a Christian, but by not, by, not by keeping him home. So God says, yes, but different from what you're thinking. And then another, I'm going to give you something better. What we ask for may be good, but God will choose to give us something better. Paul prayed for healing. That would be good. Instead, God gave him grace. It's better. 
Peter was on a rooftop praying and thinking about food, which is okay, and he was given a lesson in racism. We may pray for release from anguish, but we get a dose of gratitude instead, which is better. Jesus' words about God being a father implies he will not give us everything we ask for. There are times God gives us what we need, something better than what we want. Number two, the words ask, seek, and knock imply persistence is required. Those are all in the present tense in the Greek language and could be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep knocking. Prayer is not an occasional request, but a consistent banging at the door of heaven. Last week, we looked at Daniel. He prayed 21 days and fasted for 21 days before he saw anything happen. What if he'd prayed only 10 or 12? Now, you might wonder, why does God do this to us? Why does he require us to persist and keep banging at the gates of heaven? And, you know, he wants to give. He's ready to give. Why does he make us work for it? And I think part of it is he's forcing us to examine our own hearts. He's wanting us, us to find out what we really want, where our hearts really are. When my kids would ask for something just once, I knew it was not that big of a deal for them. But when they nagged me about it and kept coming at me about it, then I knew this is important to them. Some of you are old enough to remember Paul Harvey. And he told about a three-year-old boy who went to the grocery store with his mom. And before they entered the story, she said, Now, I know you love chocolate chip cookies, but you're not getting any chocolate chip cookies today. So don't even ask. She put him in the cart and he sat in the little child seat while she wheeled down the aisle and he was doing fine until they came to the cookie section and he couldn't help it himself. He, he saw these chocolate chip cookies and he stood up in the seat and said, Mom, may I have some chocolate chip cookies? And she said, I told you, do not even ask. You're not getting them. Sit down and be quiet. Well, they continued on shopping and uh, in their search for certain items, they had to go back to the cookie aisle and once again, he saw him and he said, Mom, May I please have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, I told you. No, you're not going to have any. Sit down and be quiet. And finally, they were approaching the checkout line, and the little boy sensed this may be his last chance. So just before they got to the line, he stood up on the seat and in the cart, and he shouted in his loudest voice, In the name of Jesus, may I have some chocolate chip cookies? (laughs) And everybody around laughed, and some even applauded. And according to Paul Harvey, due to the persistence of that boy and the generosity of other shoppers, that little boy and his mother left with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. I know what's important to that boy. My family is very important to me. I pray for them daily. Many of you do too. So God knows they're important to me. This church is important to me. I pray for this church every day, multiple times a day. Apparently, I don't care as much about poor people. I don't pray as much for them. Sometimes I don't pray for the lost persistently as I should. And God not answering some of my prayers, forcing me to persist, forces me to examine what's really important to me. And He's hoping to show me some things about myself. And what I persist in shows what's valuable to me. And I often realize how self centered I can be. So God knows what he's doing when he doesn't give immediate answers. He says, wait. Sometimes just to get our attention. Here's the third thing. This asking and seeking is asking and seeking for God and what he wants for us. When you look at the context, this is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. 
And Jesus has been expounding for three chapters what it means to be a follower, pure in heart, truthful, don't retaliate, a life of integrity, salt and light, you know, witnessing. These are the things that we should be seeking and asking for. So our first prayer and our first desire is, God, your will be done in me. God living in me. Seek that. Ask for that. Knock and you will get it. If you're seeking God, you will get him. In Luke's account, Jesus said, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Seek the Spirit to reign in your life, and he will be given. Absolutely. Jeremiah 19, 13, You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Vertical. I need Jesus more than anything else. What is the best request you can make? What is the greatest good anyone can get? It is God. God of the universe is the greatest good. God is not withholding good stuff from us. He is a loving Father who wants to give us the good things, the best things, but a lot of time we don't know what those good things are. The problem is that God's goals and our goals aren't always aligned, and He is smarter than us. And God's primary goal is not to make us happy. He's smarter than that. His primary goal is to not make our life easier. And if that's your primary goal of prayer... You are at odds with God. God's primary goal is to form us and to shape us, and that should be our goal too. Seek that. Ask for that. Knock, and it'll be given. We want our loved ones to be cancer-free, and we will pray for healing. But very often what he gives is more faith, more love, and more depth in your walk with Christ. I still remember uh, when my first wife went through 13 months of cancer and then dying. We both said, This has been amazing how much our gratitude has grown in those 13 months. Because when you know you're dying, you start realizing what you're thankful for. Never had so much gratitude in our lives. Didn't get our prayer answered. We got something better. So what is the best? What is the most important thing for your life? It is not healing. It is not a happy marriage. It is not financial stability. It is not happy kids. The best thing is God. And most people are tinkering around with stuff that really does not matter that much. Very often, God says no, so you can grow. And if your prayers are not being answered, I think you need to ask, what is God teaching me? What am I to learn? What changes is he wanting in me? How is his grace working through this? He is answering. Just maybe not the way we want him to answer. Another prayer inhibitor, sometimes there's something wrong in us. Our motives might be wrong maybe an unconfessed sin. When we continue to live knowingly outside God's will, it's hard to have a relationship with Him. You know, like if I say I love my wife and yet I'm cheating on her, that's just not going to work. And if I say I love God and yet knowingly disobey and are unfaithful to Him, that's a problem. Sometimes our relationships on earth hinder our vertical relationship with God. John says, how can you say you love God and hate your brother or sister? If you have a hate problem, you have a God problem. 1 Peter 3, uh, husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives, treat them with respect, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You can't mistreat your wife and then think God's going to honor your request. So our horizontal relationships do affect our vertical one. Proverbs 21, 13, this one's to me. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. If I live a selfish life and I'm not generous and I don't help the poor, it's going to inhibit my prayer life. If I close my ears to the poor, God will close his ears to me. So horizontal relationships have a big part in our vertical relationship. Here's one more. Sometimes 
We don't know why he says no. Because our thoughts are not his thoughts. We won't understand everything. It does not make sense to me for a baby to die in spite of our prayers. It does not make sense that godly people have to be stricken with deadly disease. It does not make sense that five police have to be killed. Our God is not a genie in a lamp. He is a father and his wisdom is above ours. And the point of prayer, the first reason for prayer is a relationship. And God is saying, get beyond the genie, get beyond the grandfather image, and build a relationship with me, and submit your will to my will. That's what's the best for you. Seek him. Seek not just his gifts. If all your child did was come to you and just whenever they wanted something, they never talked to you any other time and didn't obey you and they didn't want to have much to do with you, you'd have a terrible relationship. And so many of us have that kind of relationship with God. We only pray when we want something. Otherwise, we just live our own lives, ignore him. And we should pray when we don't want something, of course. But prayer is a relationship. It's not a wish list. And one reason he'll say no is to get our attention. I uh, ache for some of you in this church. I'll be honest. And I ache for a lot of people in our community. And I just wish, just taste the Lord and see that He is good. That's Scripture, by the way. Taste Him. Stop chasing all this other crap. Stop it. Hunger and thirst for Him. And all these other things will take care of themselves. Do you want the abundant life? Then start relating to the abundant God in prayer. I tell you, folks, it is the best. Taste Him and see that He is good. And when you talk to Him, you're not talking to a wall or a genie. He is a good... The word good, by the way, actually comes from the word God. You want the good life? Do the God life. Let's pray. God, we need you desperately, every one of us. And I pray you'll open our eyes and let us see what is truly the good life and the abundant life. It is knowing you and experiencing your grace and your greatness and your power. Let us see that life in you is the best life. Living with you, living with your church and your people, guided by your word and your spirit, filling us. I just pray you'll show your glory to us in our private prayer lives, but also as we gather together as a church, may your glory rain down upon us. I'm asking. I'm seeking and knocking that we would hunger for you. Amen.